You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. On Force Friends Rewatch, we watch Star Wars television shows, and then we talk about them. We are currently covering every Ryloth-themed episode of Star Wars TV, starting with Clone Wars, and we are jumping in in the first chronological episode, Season 3, Episode 8? 9? Uh, I think it's Episode 3. Uh, season 3, Episode 3. But it doesn't matter because it's so out of order in the series. You could call it episode purple if you want. Season three, episode purple, supply lines. Yeah. But before we get into that, Ryan, do you have a bit for us? I sure do. Definitely didn't come up with it in the last three seconds because we recorded these rapid fire and I forgot to come up with a second bit. But Andy. Yeah. My friend, I love you exactly as you are. But for the purposes of this next bit, let's imagine that you're a Twi'lek. Okay. Look down. Yeah. What color are you? So, um, that's a good question. I think I'd want to be a really light blue. I tend to like Ooh. gold and pink when, it, as far as like makeup is concerned. And I think that would look really well with blue skin. I like that. What about you, Ryan? You would look good. Oh, Ooh. thank you. Of course. Um, I always found the red Twi'lek striking, but I don't think that's my color. Uh, orange is my favorite color, but we're getting into Oompa Loompa territory there. Maybe like a deep green, like not a lime, not a neon and nothing too super dark, but like uh, a, a shade paler and more faded than Ula. So like Hera. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even a little more faded than Hera, um, like a mintier green would be mm. interesting. Yeah, a little closer to the green Twi'leks we see in Clone Wars, but less saturated. I'm picturing it. It's very sexy. I like, I like green Twi'lek Ryan very much. There we go. I've, I've, I've thought about doing like a green Twi'lek Jedi cosplay, so maybe I'll get on that. Show that midriff. There we go. <laughs> All right, so we covered Season 3, Episode 3, Supply Lines for this episode i guess i should do the recap right let's do it okay so the episode opens with uh jedi master i'm gonna die and uh commander gosh i was gonna say fire but that's not it right uh captain keely captain keely captain keely and uh champs and doula and they are holding out against overwhelming separatist odds and they need supplies they need food they need medicine and they desperately need reinforcements but the planet is blockaded uh jedi master i'm gonna die calls the jedi council for aid and the council is like oh (laughs) that'd be inconvenient to help you uh we'll do what we can let's send representative banks and bail organa to ask the Troidarians to let us send supply ships there to refuel and then get to ryloth 
So Bale and Jar Jar show up, and the Tordarians are also hosting a delegation from the Trade Federation because uh, some Separatists intercepted the transmission and they know what's going on. And the Trade Federation, for political, like bizarre political reasons, still has representation in the Republic. Yeah. Which is a, like, kind of a Buck Wild side plot in Clone Wars. And he said Buck Wild hit the counter. Hit it. Uh, so some, like, political machinations have to occur. The Tradarian King wants to help the Twi'lex, but is worried about losing his neutral status. So um, they do some, like, underhanded shit to get the supplies there. The Republic forces are completely overwhelmed, though, and uh, Jedi Master I'm going to die and Captain Keeley decide on a daring strategy to essentially bottleneck the Separatists and hold them off as long as they can for Cham's forces to get away. Uh, Cham leads his people to safety while Jedi Master I'm going to die and Captain <laughs> Keeley uh, give their lives for the Twi'leks. And as they are dying, they see the Republic supply ships uh, arriving. And they realized that their sacrifice was successful. That was an excellent summary. Thank you. It's a really good episode. It is. This is one of the ones where, well, I guess I should ask Ryan, does this episode work for you? Yes, very much. Um, and before we get into the, the Ryloth end of it, I, on the real world level, this episode was important because I, I am a almost lifelong Jar Jar Binks fan. And, uh, Ahmed Best, after he did one episode in season one, had some major mental health crises and stepped away from Star Wars forever. And he really went through some shit that he did not deserve. And Phil Lamar stepped in under a fake name. We only recently found out it was Phil Lamar, good friend of his, and took over the role of Jar Jar. But it, it wasn't the same. And like every episode that Jar Jar was in, it was hard to enjoy as a huge Jar Jar fan because it reminded me of what had happened to Ahmed. This was his return to Star Wars alongside his friend, Phil Lamar, who played Bail Organa here. And it was just really rad. I love Phil Lamar and I did not yeah. know that he did that. That's really, really like cool of him. Yeah, it was under a fake. And the only time Dave Filoni was ever even asked about it while it was still going on. Uh, I forget another podcast asked him about it. And he basically said, like, can't tell you who it is. Sorry. Some stuff's going on. Um but yeah, it was just last year, I think, that Ahmed said, like, hey, like that was my friend Phil Lamar. So this was my first time watching this episode since that revelation. And it was just really cool to see his return alongside Phil. I also love Jar Jar. And <laughs> it is fucking despicable. Yes. The depths that Star Wars fans have repeatedly sunk to when they dislike a character or an actor's performance or writing, you know, like it didn't start with John, Daisy and Kelly. Like no. this was not new with the sequel trilogy, Jake Lloyd, Daniel Logan, uh, and Ahmed best were all harassed for being in the prequels, um, to like disgusting degree. And yeah, uh, Ron Salvatore got death threats for writing the novel that killed off Chewbacca, like an enormous amount of death threats around <sighs> that same time. Yeah. Thankfully, Ahmed is doing well. He he seems to have have 
gotten through things as well as he could. And he talks very openly about mental health and about harassment. And he's very upfront about the uh, shit that he went through. And uh, everyone should go and listen to him talk about it. Definitely. Definitely. He His moment at uh, Star Wars Celebration Chicago, where he came out on the stage for an impromptu, unannounced interview, and just... The floor absolutely exploded like that. That was well deserved, but it's only the beginning of the apology that the community owes him. Absolutely. But yeah, the episode itself, um, it really did work for me. It was it was kind of the first indication we got that Clone Wars was going to go radically out of order. But I think it was a success because it was a good story all on its own, If, if even without the Ryloth arc, this would stand as a very clear story. As three acts, the objective is clear, the stakes are clear, and it resolves. To to that point, uh, I do want to mention why I think it's so interesting that these episodes in the early seasons of Clone Wars are out of order. And it's because they were trying to fit the new show around the timeline established by the Clone Wars novels, comics, video games, and uh, the 2D cartoons. And after about three seasons of kind of jumping out of order and around stuff, George just said, ah, screw it. That other stuff isn't canon anymore. And so when people complain about Disney wiping out the old canon, I'm like, George already did that for a huge amount of content. The Clone Wars, video games, novels, comics, and other TV show was a, that was a good 50% of the EU at that time. Definitely. So everything, almost everything after 2002, besides like the new Jedi order was, yeah. yeah, at that time. Yeah. It was countless comics, video, like uh, a vast majority of material. Uh, so yeah, I, I find that I, I find this series so interesting because like it assumes you read like season one and two and three assume you have read that stuff so like we don't see anakin get knighted we don't have an introduction to ventress or grievous it's just assumed that you've watched and read stuff where they were introduced and then halfway through the show they're like that stuff isn't canon anymore but we're not going to go back and write new episodes introducing you to these characters or like showing Anakin get knighted and stuff. So it's it's very inter- like this this relic is very interesting to me. Yeah. And this episode is. is a very clear indication that it's jumping through hoops to not step on the toes of the other material that is still at this point when this episode aired canon. Yeah. I never really thought about it as this season was the one where he said screw it but it really is because this is the season where we get a very different Dathomir a very different Ventress a very different Raxus yeah yeah George just gets tired of these (laughs) restraints that he has been settled with from other creators and he's like I'm in charge I'm gonna do whatever I want now I think this is also when he became much more hands on as I've heard it like I, I can't imagine he ever cared I got the vibe that Dave Filoni and head writer Henry Gilroy were the ones who wanted to have it in line, especially because Gilroy wrote a fair amount of that. But 
I think this is the season where this thing is winning Emmys and George realizes that this is his canvas and he gets more hands on. Cause the, yeah, this would have gone into production around the time the show aired. So mm-hmm. this is also an episode going back to Jar Jar where when people say like, Oh, if you haven't seen Clone Wars, you should watch it. You can skip the Jar Jar and droid episodes. I'm like, you absolutely cannot. No, like there are definitely some arcs you can skip that, you know, are droid focused uh and there's maybe one or two jar jar episodes that i don't love but like you can't just wipe away every jar jar episode like this one and the uh Dooku, uh hondo onaka one are both two very important oh, very good episodes yeah. that happen to also star jar jar yeah i didn't i, didn't, I guess i didn't realize that when people skip the jar jar episodes they skip the introduction of Honda Onaka. Yeah. Like and that launches can... 80 years of storytelling. You you can't skip that. And like this this episode fucking rules. Like this episode oh, yeah. is so good. It, I love the conceptual Gungan art piece. Oh my god. One of my favorite Jar Jar moments. It's it's very good. And, and it's him using his bluster and his overall clumsy persona advantageously. It's him wielding who he is. It feels a little like Hogan's Heroes esque. Yeah, you know, like oh yeah, he's playing up kind of a character, a caricature of himself in order to trick people that think they're smarter than him. Yeah, you're and absolutely it's, right. It, it's it's extremely good. Yeah, um, I love the design of Captain Keeley, and I love the design of Jedi Master. I'm gonna die. Uh, yeah. his robes are really, really interesting. They're extremely intricate for a one episode Jedi and Captain Keeley's armor design and his, uh, his like facial features, uh, are really cool. Uh, I would put him up there in like top five hottest clones. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, I do, I do love the. Does he ever take his helmet off, or are we just going by hottest in terms of the armor look? No, he takes his helmet off. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, he dies without his helmet on. That's right. I do really like his design, even though he's... I often get a little yanked out of it when clones are just repaints of other clones, and he is just a Rex repaint. But it works. Uh, his his hair has more going on. He has, like, the... Oh, yeah, no, under I meant the hair. armor itself. Yeah, his hair has... Now that I looked up a picture, I do remember him taking his helmet off. Okay. But the armor itself is really just a Rex repaint. Oh, but I mean, it's a damn good Rex oh, repaint. It's, yeah, it's the best yeah. Rex repaint, I would say. The Sorry, Wolf. Dope. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the, I like the Nikto as a, as a race. And I like seeing, again, it goes back to how they D-typecast the Twi'leks that we talked about in our last one. I always like seeing like Nikto and Weequay and stuff doing heroic things. Because we've only, I mean, for decades of legend storytelling, they were always criminals and gangsters. This was cool. It's not the first Nikto Jedi we've seen, but it's the most prominent. Cham is, is really great in this episode, too. Oh, yeah. we, we have, if you are watching Clone Wars in release order, you have seen Chan before now. But this is his chronological introduction. And you definitely see him like getting hardened here and getting more frustrated with the uh, lack of support and investment by the Republic. 
yeah, this is if the Ryloth arc itself is D-Day, this is more or less like the Nazi invasion of France. And this is sort of the moment where Cham could lose hope. But at the same time, he does realize that like help probably is not coming. Uh, we get a Gobi introduction too, which is great. He's going to be a recurring yeah. character alongside Cham. He's kind of uh, Cham's little John. Yeah, he's the Barge. I do like Gobi. Uh, Gobi shows up in, does he show up in Bad Batch? I know he shows up in Rebels. Yeah, he is trying to get Cham to, like, buy weapons. That's right. Uh, the action in this episode is extremely good. It feels like a game of Battlefront, uh, you know, yeah. on PlayStation or something. Like, it's uh, it's got, you know, like, a little bit of air support. It's got some heavy vehicles, you know. Uh, they're really using the terrain to their advantage. It, it feels kind of like a video game, uh, and it's it's good stuff. We get to see some blurgs in action, which is fun. Love the blurgs. Absolutely love the blurgs. Who would have thought? They're originally from the... Uh, Endor. Yeah. The, and the now they're... Ewok cartoon. Or no, yeah. Ewok live action. The live action. And now they're everywhere. I love them so much. They're very silly. Uh, they remind yeah. me of the like old Warhammer fantasy things that the goblins would ride. That's like a really deep like nineties cut, but I dig it though. You're right. <laughs> yeah, no, the action is very, and it you know it it serves the story. It's the geography is clear, the way everything is framed. You know exactly where they are and exactly where they're trying to get to, what they're trying to do. That's always important. I like how you talked about how um, the like stakes are very clear and simple. Yeah. Like the objectives are all like very laid out on the table. Um, it it is definitely a strong standalone episode that is also uh, a great introduction to uh, a people and planet that we're going to see a lot of over the next. Uh, few seasons and cartoons. Definitely. I think the last thing I want to mention is that Bail Organa is great. Yeah, always. Oh, man. And the Tantive 4. Always fun to see it. Yeah. I like, I also like, um, I mean, I've, I've always liked Watto. I like the Toydarians and I like seeing where they're from. I, this is the first time we've seen Toydaria. I, I love, it's over the top and cheesy, but I love that everything floats. Everything flies. The ships don't have boarding ramps, because why would they? You just fly up into them. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to say about this episode? Anything that you wish you could go back and do better? Um, not really. I mean, an overall series complaint is that I'm very confused about the political status of the Trade Federation and the various separatist corporations. I think in the Disney Plus era where they're not bound to 22 minutes and 40 seconds, they could have expanded more upon it in the episodes where it's relevant. Yeah, it is. uh, I mean, it was always insane that the Trade Federation has political representation in the Senate. Like it. George isn't being subtle. He's he's making a uh, a very big, unsubtle point about capitalism. But the fact that yeah. uh, the war has broken out and Newt Gunray is clearly like one of the leaders of the separatist faction and the Trade Federation still has representation. I think at some point they kind of say that like Newt is a radical and 
like not associated with them anymore. Yeah, they and, like, deny the affiliation. Is, is supposed to see through it, but like it feels insane that like yeah, Obi Wan isn't like hey should, we should investigate that right? Yeah, you know like like someone should be looking into that right? Plo Koon, you're not busy. Do you want to investigate? <laughs> You want to investigate the ties of Newt Gunray to the senator of the Trade Federation? Because I think they're evil. Yeah. Yeah. Very fair point, Ryan. Yeah. I, I seen where we see Lot Dodge conspiring with Newt Gunray. 30 seconds would have done it. Because at the time, I remember, like, I, I kind of couldn't tell if I was supposed to see through it. Like, was this a development that's going to be covered in another, like out of sequence episode or is this is this real uh i would say that this is nearly a perfect episode another point i want to bring up is that we see a bunch of women twi'leks fighting in cham's freedom forces and i love that that's dope probably my only negative is that uh you know this is something that plenty of people have talked about insensitive racial caricatures in star wars yeah. Um, and and to that point, um, I do want to say that Ahmed Best has talked a lot about how he feels his portrayal of Jar Jar is not racist and why. And yeah. uh, I think it's very important to like listen to him talk about that. And with what he has gone through from this fandom, it's easy for me to say as a white person, like, listen to this black actor talk about why this isn't racist and maybe stop bringing it up. If you're a black fan and you feel his explanation still doesn't hold weight, like I can't tell you to not feel that way. That's not my place. But I would say that when you do discuss it, maybe like keep his uh, feelings and the previous struggles he's been through with this fandom into account. Cause I'm sure it is not easy for him to hear uh, from black fans that they feel he like misrepresented them with this portrayal that he's already gotten like a fuck ton of hate for. But um, this episode does a lot with the Troidarians and trying to make them less uncomfortable. Because uh, Watto is uh, yeah not great. No. So I do think this episode does a lot of work with the with the Troidarians and making those things uh, those little like bug i don't know what else to call them are they bugs they're not bugs they're i mean they're kind of insectoid but they're also i don't know they're like ambiguously amphibian maybe yeah these sort of like bug reptile bird people less of an uncomfortable uh alien species in star wars however to the complaint i was trying to get to is the nomoidians are real rough here yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the Nemoidians uh feel real rough. They would not be out of place in a 1950s movie about World War II. Uh and yeah. that's, that's that's not great. Especially that, with the the overall like World War II narrative at play here. That yeah. was it it could have been the techno union. It could have been the banking clan. You've established the Nemoidians with that accent. It didn't need to be them. Yeah. And like, or just like portray them differently. Like, yeah, that's like, also an like, option. You can, 
as as much as the like exaggerated features which are exaggerated on these aliens is not great uh if you are like really gonna stick with that accent which isn't great Mm -hmm. i guess you could but you could uh you could have them be different people instead of like cowardly and sneaky which is yeah very loaded so there's Grievous's lieutenant in Revenge of the Sith is a Nemoidian with an American accent. Uh, you bring him in, you know? It's Yeah, have that guy there. Yeah. So, yeah, uh we I kind of had to work my way to that point, but that's my point. That is uh that is my my only negative for this episode. And like, don't get me wrong, it's a uh, it's a big it's a big issue in uh, a lot of Star Wars, but especially uh, prequels era Star Wars. George was uh, making some choices that were not great for the time and definitely don't hold up well. And um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's the only glaring flaw for for me in in this in this episode. Yeah, I would say I would agree with that, but that that really is it. I think these are these were this was solid. Yeah, it's a real banger. Like it high energy, like you like you said, clear very clear stakes, uh some great one episode characters, and then uh like a really strong showing from Jar Jar and Bail Organa is like a fan favorite for a goddamn reason, and it's always great to see him. So Yeah. Oh, and Cham, obviously. Cham Cham fucking rolls. I too want to yell at my government for not supporting me right now. (laughs) <laughs> like shit's, shit's real bad out here and there hasn't been a a, a a promised stimulus check in a long ass time so yeah. yeah I agree Cham fuck the republic <laughs> that's what we were talking about before we recorded and it is now spilled into the episode <laughs> because these themes are universal and they say Star Wars isn't political I mean this episode is probably going to drop in like 5 weeks from recording this so maybe things will have changed in 5 weeks or maybe we'll all be uh in worse trouble who knows You're a funny human being you know Yeah there's not going to be a stimulus No <laughs> where we only talk about Star Wars television shows Yeah maybe Omicron will be gone in 5 weeks maybe it'll be a whole new uh Transformers villain that is terrorizing oh, your country Oh jeez What's the big moon-sized one? Was that Metatron? I don't know. The Metatron variant. The Syndulla variant. The Wat Tambor variant. Well. You can do Star Wars villains, too. I think that's going to do it for us. You can follow us on Twitter at ForceRunsPod. We would like to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks for that intro and for being our producer. Go reach out to them to make your podcast dreams come true. We are grateful to be part of the Where They May radio network you can get some great rewards at our patreon at patreon slash wtm radio as well as bonus content from music and lyrics by ending pending and fan fiction is good actually ryan andy i would like to propose a new sign off i think that's a good idea i think we've we've sort of transcended uh telling the boy about his parents and you know the boy knows uh what is it that Jedi Master, I'm gonna die. Tells Captain Keeley, he says, "If this is going to be the end, let it be memorable." Yeah, I think that should be our new sign. If this is gonna be the end, let it be memorable. Beautiful. I like that. Yeah.
where they may radio.